Hi, I'm Daniel Fuller from the Abundant Life Training Center, and welcome to our daily community meditation, where today we're talking about heaping burning coals on people's head. This sounds like a weird, a weird thing, but there's two scriptures that I know of in the Bible. One's in Proverbs, the other one's in Romans, where it tells us that if your enemy is hungry or thirsty, do kindness to them. Give them something to eat. Give them something to drink. And in so doing, you're going to heap burning coals on top of their head. And God's going to reward you. I was just thinking about this recently. I had somebody that kind of just in conversation, someone that responded in maybe not the nicest way. And at first, maybe my response wasn't the best at first, but then I humbled myself and said, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. Let's get this right. Let's get this corrected. Getting that fellowship and that peace and that relationship. And after it happened later that day, I felt like God was telling me, you just heaped burning coals on their head. You just heap burning coals on their head. I'm like, okay, I know those scriptures. What, what does this mean? So we're going to be asking God for insight and just revelation into what this means, this heaping of burning coals on somebody's head. I did a little bit of research on it, just looking about, see what this means. And everything that I can find so far just talks about it's a symbol of them being getting to a place of repentance. It's a symbol of them getting to a place of repentance and us doing good continually, even when people wrong us. Doing good continually. So we're going to be taking communion over this today. But why are we taking communion every day? About 10 years ago, I had pretty much no spiritual life whatsoever. We're just doing life on my own without God, doing things my own way. But life wasn't going the way that I wanted it to go. At the time, I was running my personal training business and my business started off great, but then I got into some tough times where my business is losing thousands of dollars some months. And I remember getting to this place of going for a walk with my wife around the neighborhood, just telling her over and over, there's got to be a better way to live. Shortly after that, I came across the challenge to start reading one chapter from the book of Proverbs every day. Proverbs has 31 chapters. So on day one of the month, you read Proverbs chapter one. Day two, you read Proverbs chapter two. And then you keep going like that until the end of the month and you start back over again. Well, I've been doing this for a little while. And one morning, Proverbs 13, 22, just seemed to jump off the page at me. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And that verse got me thinking, what's the most valuable thing that we could pass on to future generations? The Proverbs tell us that wisdom is the principal thing. And so I made a commitment that day. I want to pass on manuals and lessons and teaching for all the different areas of life. But to be honest, when I got started, I had no clue where to start. So I began to seek after God, began to totally immerse myself in the things of God. He began to show up, began to teach me, began to train me. My relationship with him just began to grow exponentially. He just began to teach me this new way of living. We'll make him the source, make him the center of everything, learning how to do things his way. Now, it wasn't always easy all the time. I had to learn to put off some of my old ways, some old patterns to break free of those. At times, I found myself in some impossible-looking situations, only to see God just come through over and over again as my trust in him just began to grow more and more. And I just simply began to document what he was taking me through, the things that he was teaching me. And over the course of about 10 years, it turned into this whole program we have called the Abundant Life Blueprint with a series of books and courses and partners now. But out of everything we do in the Abundant Life Blueprint, I believe daily communion is the most important thing. Daily communion is what I call the number one table turner for all of life. Has the ability to create a turning point in our life, to turn things around and change the trajectory of our lives going forward. 
Jesus says, as often as you do this, remember me. It's this opportunity to remember his sacrifice and our covenant with God. Helps us to abide in him so that our lives produce much fruit. The Apostle Paul says, every time we take communion, we're proclaiming the death of Jesus. Which in the case of a will or an inheritance, nothing happens until you prove the death. So in a way, communion is like an activation of all the benefits that are found in this new covenant. But it's also important we take it the right way. Every time we take communion, we take it with the fear of the Lord, with deep awe and honor and reverence for the sacrifice of Jesus. And just taking some time to remember all that he went through, all that he suffered for us, and what his sacrifice did for us, what it means for us, that we have this new covenant with God. So the process we typically use, we start with about a two-minute long prayer that's mostly scripture coming from Ephesians chapter 1. And the prayer of Jabez found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And then we take a few minutes to examine ourselves because the Apostle Paul says some people are weak and sick and they die early because they don't examine or judge themselves before taking communion. And if communion has the power to do that in the negative, I believe it has the power to make us healthy and strong and give us long life if we take it the right way. And then after our time of communion, we've been talking about some practical Physical workout tips and advice. Because I truly believe physical exercise is meant to teach us how to exercise our faith. So let's get started with our prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who are watching or listening, their families, all those connected to them, and all of our church and governmental leaders. Thank you for releasing us from darkness and transferring us into the light, into the kingdom of your dear Son. Thank you for your purpose and grace given to us in Christ Jesus before time ever began. I thank you that Jesus was smitten for us so that you could fight for us. And I keep asking that you, the Father of glory, would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know you better. That the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to know the hope to which you've called us and the riches of your glorious inheritance that is in us and the immeasurable greatness of your power to us who believe. The same power that you exercised in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And you put all things under his feet and made him to be the head of the body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. And Father, I ask you to bless us to make your face shine upon us and let us find grace and favor in your eyes. Expand our borders and our territory. Expand our capacity to receive your purpose and grace, your love and your goodness, and to let it flow through us so that we do good and are a blessing to people all over the world. Send us opportunities to do good and be a blessing today and help us be sensitive to those opportunities. Keep your hand on us and help us do today what's right and best in your eyes. And do it with peace and joy and confidence in you. And we ask you to stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and keep us from evil and pain. Through the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to go through the other half of the prayer. This is our time to examine ourselves. Are we making today a masterpiece? And how are we going to do that? We're going to bring our relationship with God down into today. To impact every area of our lives today. And masters of anything are simply masters of the fundamentals. 
That's where we talk about executing these four fundamentals and bringing some presence and some fun into them today. But before we go through our four fundamentals, let's remember God's got a process. When he took the people from Egypt to the promised land, there were steps and stages along their journey. They didn't just go straight there. And in a similar way for us to step into the promises or the inheritance that God has for us in Christ. I think he takes us through a process. There's steps and stages in our journey. And very simply, I think it takes just believing he's got something better for our life. Better than we could ever ask or dream or think or imagine. He's got this better way of living. And then we've got to be willing to move forward with that plan. To stop looking what we can do in our own strength and to learn to look to him. To what he can do. And then we've got to learn to put off our old ways. And to embrace this new way of living. We make him the source of everything. We learn to do things his way. We learn to rest and to trust in him. This verses today we're talking about. Learning to do good even to your enemies. To do good all the time. is one of the things we have to learn how to do. Trusting that God's going to make it right for us. So our first fundamental. Let's get positioned in the light today. Every day we've got to keep repositioning ourselves back into the light. It has to happen every single day. And I think it starts with humility. Jesus says, you want to become great in the kingdom of heaven? you got to humble yourself like this little child. It's the humble who are given grace. It's the humble who are exalted and promoted. Just that simple childlike faith and belief and humility, I think, is where we start. And we're going to get positioned in forgiveness. Receiving our forgiveness from God, forgiving ourselves in the middle, walking in forgiveness with other people. And we're going to take our position in love today. Kind and patient and gentle, always assuming the best, keeping no record of wrong, delighting in the truth, always hoping, always trusting, always persevering, because love never fails. And we're going to take our position in gratitude and praise today. I think it's one of the greatest expressions of of faith. It's one of the easiest ways to maintain our positioning all day long. And being in position is a big deal. Because it puts us in position to be able to receive everything that God has for us. In Christ, God has taken everything that he has and he put it all in him. And we get this amazing opportunity. We get to be in him today. We get access to his spirit and power and presence, his love and peace and joy, his mind and wisdom, fellowship with God, fellowship with people, purpose and grace. There's health and energy and time and resources and finances. And it's all available to be received. But then we got to learn how to get it flowing through us out into the world where we see the fruit or the result of it in our life. So our first step is to get in position. Our second step is to magnify the light. We're going to turn up the brightness of this light within us. And it's going to expand the capacity where God can flow more of all these good things through us. It's also going to get this new covenant rooted and established in love in our hearts. Where we become more fixed and consistent in it. And to magnify the light, we've talked about this example of two baskets on a balancing scale. One basket full of the issues and problems and testings that we face. The other basket full of our praises to God. Praising his name, praising him for who he is, praising him for all that he's done. Which basket are we going to fill up? With our thoughts, with our focus, with our attention, with our meditation, with our words. Which basket are we going to fill up as we go throughout the day? To magnify the light is to meditate on and fill up that basket of praise. Magnifying God for his word, his unfailing love and faithfulness, his mighty works that nothing's impossible for him. 
all that he's done for us in Christ. And just looking back at all that he's already done. Because what he started, he's going to finish. He's going to see it through to completion. Now, this is not denying that there's issues or problems. Rather, it's in the face of those issues and problems. We stay focused on God. We keep filling up that basket of praise. Because we trust that he can solve those problems a whole lot better than we can. But he does give us a choice. We could choose not to do any of this. We can stay stuck in pride and rebellion, bitterness, unforgiveness. And just filling up that basket of the issues and problems by thinking about it, toiling away over those problems, trying to figure them all out, complaining, venting, pouting, filling up that other basket. And that's where we're going to learn to recognize the symptoms. Because when we're out of position or magnifying the wrong things, it's going to produce some symptoms in our life. Might find ourselves retaliating and people withholding good things that we know to do, avoiding people or give them the silent treatment. One of the biggest things you're going to notice, you have a lack of fellowship. Anytime you feel like there's a lack of fellowship in a relationship, a lack of peace in a relationship, either with God or with people, that's a symptom. On the inside, you'll feel this heaviness and weight and pressure like it's all sitting on you. Might have feelings of hopelessness or helplessness, like you're trapped or you're stuck and there's no way out. And all that weight and pressure on the inside just drains all the energy out of you. Emotionally, there's the fear and worry and stress, frustration, might be, feel sadness or depression. We're dreading things in the future, envisioning all these worst case scenarios, reliving bad things that happened in the past. And unfortunately, this can become a vicious cycle. This can become a habit or a pattern, a loop that just keeps repeating over and over again. But when we take our position in the light, there is rest in our soul. There's fullness and completion in him. We have fellowship with God, fellowship with people. And when we rest, God goes to work. And now everything is free and easy and effortless. And all those good things he put in Christ just begin to flow through us. And now all of a sudden, we've got hope in any and every situation. Because we've got God with us. And if all this weren't enough, God gives us this amazing gift of grace. That if we ever get off track, it just takes a moment to turn it right back around, get back in position again. As we're talking about this today, the example that I was using, I got off track for a second. I responded probably in not the best way. And I asked God, I was like, I, I'm not quite sure if I missed it or not, but God, did I miss it here? And the question he asked me is, did you respond with gentleness? And the answer to that question was no. And so I repented. I turned back around. I forgave, asked for forgiveness humbled myself. If we miss it, how do we get back? You recognize it. We humble ourselves. Father, forgive me. I've missed it. We forgive ourselves. If I need to reconcile with somebody else, we take those steps. Then we start praising and magnifying him for his grace and his goodness. And I like to pray this very simple prayer. Father, thank you that what you put within me is more than enough to handle whatever's coming at me today in a beautiful, graceful way. Help me to tap into it and see it flowing in my life at a greater level. You go through that simple process, that weight just lifts off you. Everything begins to flow all of a sudden. And then our third fundamental, we're going to stay tuned in today. Every day, God's trying to teach us and navigate us throughout the day. But we've got to stay tuned into him. And my favorite way to do this is with the journal before bed. And I like to start with what we call some filters at the top of the journal. These are just short phrases, little reminders to keep me focused on God's plan and vision for my life. Little reminders of God's ways, his standards of doing things. 
It might look something like the following. The short phrase, God is working continually for my good, and I'm going to do continually good for others. And that short phrase just helps us to navigate throughout the day when there's issues and problems. And then I like to start my journal with gratitude and praise to get in position. And then to magnify, what went well today? What are all the ways I saw God showing up today? Because the more we look for them, the more of them we're going to see. And then I like to ask this question, God, what are you trying to show me today? And just get still and listen. Whatever comes into my mind, just begin to write those things down. And then we've got to stay tuned in throughout the day because he's trying to navigate us throughout the day. If you ever feel like you're losing that connection with him, just take a couple minutes. Just slow down. Get more present with him. Aware of his presence with you. Think of it like plugging in a phone. You're going to get powered up in him again. And then the final thing I like to do in my journal is our fourth fundamental is to plan out the upcoming day with God. And I've learned to stick with, what do I know to do today? Because I learned, sometimes I was getting out ahead of him. I'm toiling away, trying to figure things out, trying to force things to happen ahead of schedule. On the other side, sometimes I was procrastinating on things that I knew to do. So I've learned to stick with, what do I know to do today? And that becomes the plan for the day. And then we wake up like a kid on Christmas morning, excited for the day because this is the day that the Lord has made. And we remember this very important principle that the first thing out of our mouth every morning sets the tone for the whole day. As I began to learn about this, I began to seek God. What's the best thing for us to say? I felt like he was taking me back to Genesis chapter one, the very first words we see God speak. Let there be light. So I began to start my day this way, the very first words out of my mouth every morning. Let there be light. And it's amazing how just such a simple little thing brings a different energy into the day. Then we get connected with him. We start walking out that plan in full confidence that he's right there with us every step of the way. And we get to that place of confident faith. His grace begins to surge through us. He begins to go to work. He begins to beautify our lives. And beauty is attractive and magnetic and begins to pull more and more of everything God has for us into our life. Let's take a look at these scriptures today. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 through 22. It says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. I can remember when I first got started reading my Proverbs about 10 years ago. I remember reading these verses. I'm like, this does not make any sense. Why would I give my enemy food or give them something to drink? This makes no sense. But it's learning how to do good continually and let God be the one who sorts it out for you. Now, this verse is repeated in Romans chapter 12, verse 20. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Now, we have an example of this in scripture. Let's take a look at this scripture. Second Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. This is a story of Elisha. It says, the king of Aram sent an army to surround Elisha and to kill him. In the morning, Elijah's servant looked out and saw hundreds of soldiers surrounding them. Elisha asked, asked God to open their eyes to see God's army. Suddenly, the armies of God were overwhelming the size of the enemy, and Elijah asked God to blind this army. Elisha could have taken advantage of the blindness and destroyed the enemy. But instead, he had them fed and sent them back unharmed. 
they were no longer harassed by Israel. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And Elisha said, do not kill them. Would you kill those that you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. So these raiders had come into the land. They're surrounding Elijah. Elijah prays and asks God to open his servant's eyes so they can see that they got angels surrounding them that are more than these, this army. He taps into this unseen world. And then Elijah has them struck with blindness and he leads them to the king of Israel. And the king's like, do we kill them? What do we do with them? He says, no, set food and water before them. So they prepare a feast for them. And what happened? This stopped them from coming in and attacking them anymore. If they would have killed them, what would have happened? They would have just kept attacking them. But this put an end to it. And it's something I've learned. If you'll do good when people do you wrong, it will begin to put an end to it eventually. If you retaliate back at them, it just is a vicious cycle that keeps repeating over and over. So Heavenly Father, we're asking for your help with this today. Just give us wisdom and understanding and insight into how to do this good continually that you tell us to do. And what it means, this heaping of burning coals on their head, I believe it leads to repentance, is I believe what you're trying to show us. But give us insight into what this means. We thank you that the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and said, this is my body, spoken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just take a moment to remember, God sent us his one and only son. Jesus humbled himself even unto death on a cross for us. And the cup of God's wrath is poured onto the body of Jesus. Just thinking about all that he suffered for us. He was destroyed by God. But then he's raised back to life. He's victorious over death. And now that same victorious power lives on the inside of us. He connects us back to God, makes us right and holy and perfect in God's sight. All through his one sacrifice. So, Father, we thank you for this bread. And ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. If you have your bread, you can take your bread. Then after supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins for many. It's the forgiveness of sins that releases us from darkness and transfers us into the light, into the kingdom of God's dear son. His blood cleanses us, gives us this new covenant with God, this covenant relationship, this blood sworn oath. God is with us and for us. So, Father, we thank you for this cup. And I should have blessed it in Jesus' name. If you have your juice, you can take your juice. All right. 
Yesterday we talked about it's time to train. In our physical workouts, the difference between working out and training. And one of the ways we can start is when you go into your workout, have a plan and a purpose for the day. Have a workout journal where you're tracking your progress over time. One of the simplest things is tracking your workouts over time. One of the biggest difference between working out and training, tracking your progress over time, recording your journey. But I hope this has been helpful for you today. If you'd like to learn more about partnering with us in the Abundant Life Blueprint, you can go to the AbundantLifeTrainingCenter.com.